Hello and welcome in for this Esports Life episode 14. In this episode, we're talking about my life as usual, my mundane, boring life. This week, kind of interesting, went to fly out to San Jose for a day. Also used a treadmill for a run for the very first time ever. And I had a question that has been plaguing my mind about a quote, a Bruce Lee quote, um, about the way life should be led. And uh, finally, a nice question, I think, to round things off about uh, the future, if the future had no CS in it. All these things we will cover right here, right now on this episode of This Esports Life. And uh, I would like to say, first of all, sorry about last week. I think the overall episode was good. It was moving in the right direction. There was a lot more, it was a lot more tangential. And that's a good thing. I, I like the the flow of consciousness type of content that we make, that's good. The energy was a little bit low, and that's because I think we were very busy the last week, and I ended up having to record this eSports Life late at night. I think, yeah, last weekend we were working on the deck, and then I only got to record this eSports Life at like 10 o'clock. So even though I think I've had really nice neighbors and haven't had any noise complaints, I don't know if they've quietly complained about the noise to each other. I don't know if they think a certain way about me because of how loud I'm being. I also have no idea if my voice has ever gone through those walls and behind me. And when I move into my new place in Toronto, which I guess we'll also talk about, I'm going to definitely think about getting them soundproof, get some pads on the foam pads on the wall to absorb some of that noise. I have no idea how loud I am sometimes. And I've walked outside with a stream on in my, on my computer and I've been able to hear my stream through my door. But yeah, I just, I hope I haven't pissed anyone off or that I've recorded so later, so loudly that you can hear people in other rooms. It's so, it's so interesting that like, you need to have this like big voice, big presence when you're recording. And it's even though it's kind of, I'm talking right into your headphones or your earbuds or, um, you know, probably less often than not speakers. So most of the time I'm like, I'm right next to your ear right now. Yeah, I don't, but but it helps so much to project and have a big voice and really enunciate and be loud in your room, in your room. I always thought that was really interesting. Matt was the first person to really show me that. Um, that's Sadokiss when he's casting ESEA games online in his room. He said that he's extremely loud in his house and that always was like, wait, what? That sounds so unintuitive because you would think if you were just talking into a microphone directly into someone's headphones, that would be almost like yelling into someone's ear. But it's kind of not since they can control how loud you are and then it just helps with the presence. So you can have like a lot of presence at a low volume, which is something I maybe I'm the last person to learn that. I have no idea. But it, it's been an interesting week. Why don't we start with treadmill? So actually, I this is the first time I've actually gone for a run on a treadmill as opposed to running outside. I just got back from San Jose. I was flown out to San Jose, which was about a 40-minute flight, which is probably the shortest flight I've ever taken, to go to um, a party that was kind of a product announcement party. And I feel like this is something that would only happen if you're in LA, which is another like benefit of LA, but these kinds of things happening. But they flew like... I think a hundred of us out to go and 
go to the party, hang out, look at this product, try it out, and then like get an idea of it. And you know, basically what it is is they didn't pay me at all. They just they just flew me out to to hang out and and test it for myself. And the technology is pretty cool. So Nvidia have a st similar. They have a similar competing technology, which is like an NVIDIA stream technology, which basically allows you to play games over the cloud. So if you, let's say you only had 50 bucks this month, you need a new computer. All right, very isolated. Let's say you have to play a match. It's very important. You don't have a good computer. You've only got your MacBook. You've got to play a match today. Okay, you've got a little bit of money, but you can't buy a new computer. You've just got the MacBook, got a mouse, mouse pad. You need to play a match today or you're going to lose main. You're going to lose your season, the entire thing. Well, then you can use a service like an NVIDIA stream or the Shadow um, streaming service to for $35 a month or they all have different prices. But around that, to use a very powerful computer that is located somewhere in the US, and this is available to places, certain places in the US. And you will also have like a slight amount of delay. I think it's like 15 milliseconds or something. But you can use that to play a game on high settings with no lag. So a better example would be for casual gaming or traveling and gaming, playing out of a hotel room, um, not having to really worry about things like input lag, which might be a little bit of a tougher sell for someone who had um, who's playing Counter Strike. And um, when I played it, the service seemed really cool. Uh, there were some hitches. I think it does it does come down to how consistently good your internet connection is. So that is something. But it's kind of an interesting thing that's happening where this seems like the next natural step in the world we live in, right? To have to have a subscription to a computer. Nobody buys cars anymore, people lease cars. Nobody buys houses anymore, people rent or people lease or whatever. There's a lot of impermanent, nobody has the same job, we talked about that last week. Uh, there's there's not much permanence with things. We don't like having things. Uh, you're, you know, you don't buy DVDs, you get Netflix. You, you, everyone's got like a laundry list of subscriptions that they use to replace actually having to committing to buying something. Committing to things, this very 2006. You know, we don't we don't commit to things anymore, right? People don't commit to things anymore. That's not cool. And it it's for a reason. It's for a reason. I mean, if we look at like a service like this where you can use a computer that'll cost maybe $2,000 to build yourself for $35 a month, if you think about how often you might actually change out a very expensive part in a PC or change your PC entirely, it works out so that you're saving a ton of money in a few years using a service like this. Now, for me, I couldn't use this if I was, I don't think I would be able to use this as someone who plays Counter-Strike and takes it very seriously. I'd be way into my own head about input lag. Even if there was none, I'd probably be in my own head about it. But maybe down the line, you know, things change. Uh, here I am using a Logitech G305, a wireless mouse, something I thought I would never use or trust. And I find that it's, you know, better than any of the wired mice I've ever used. So I'm sure these things, I'm sure people will come around on these things, especially since that even though we are getting older and are gonna be less comfortable with things changing in the next thing, obviously, we still are a technological, technologically savvy audience. So I think that 
services like the the Nvidia stream service or the shadow service are probably the future. And especially if they solve the problem of the input lag and stuff like that. I mean, think about like me, for example, I'm going to be moving to Toronto. I have a giant PC and it is a micro ATX. So it's not the biggest case ever, but thinking about moving that from here to Toronto is one of the, one of the, one of the central pain points of moving at all for me. So I don't care about my TV. I got a really cheap one, which is maybe something that you might, you know, some people you might invest in. A, I might get a better TV when I'm in Toronto. Um, but the rest of my furniture is kind of disposable. So my PC is gonna be like, you know, two thousand. $1,500 to $2,000 and I'm going to want to take it with me. And I'm just trying to figure out a solution to, to do that. And, uh, you know, if say if shadow was like just commonplace and they, they figured out the input lag and internet connections were a lot better across the board. I mean, it wouldn't have to move a computer. I wouldn't have to take care of it. I wouldn't have to clean it. I wouldn't have to worry about things breaking. Right. I mean, if, uh, one of the servers goes down at shadow, then you just, you just get on another one. There's like tons of PCs. I think they are, they say that you basically get an entire PC yourself. So, you know, services like that become more robust. I, I you could definitely see a world where maybe people don't have PCs in five to seven years. And there are some other obstacles, like if you are a video editor, and obviously this would be great for that because you could you know, use video editing software, which is hard to run. The, you know, if you were to save a file, that file would only exist there. So if you wanted to have the file, it would be an extra amount of time for you to get the file, to send it back or to send it elsewhere. So there's some stuff there, but I think introducing the technology now and growing with just the world and technology at the exponential rate that it's growing at already, there exists a situation not too far out there where this becomes a very smart thing to have. So it was kind of cool. Uh, it kind of blew my mind that someone was willing to fly me out for a party. I, <laughs> I, they were like, Hey, uh, shout out to Marcella. It was like, Hey, you're, you, you know, you want to come to this party? It's like, um, I'm not actually, I'm not in San Jose, but thank you. She's like, no, we'll fly you out. I was like, oh, holy smokes, that's really cool. So it was really cool to go. And I was lucky enough to have um, a little, my little clique of friends from LA come out there. Travis, Yoni, Ovi, we're all there. Very cool people. And uh, we got to hang out. It kind of felt like I went out for a night with them here in LA, actually. But it's always cool to go to a new place. I actually really like going to airports. I really like being by myself in airports and then flying uh, and just like hanging out and traveling and just going to see somewhere new. It's kind of an excuse to do whatever you want. And it's cool to be, uh, it's cool to explore, I guess. It just appeals to that like more adventurous side uh, that I have, I suppose, in a very like controlled way, I guess. And I, I, I definitely want to do that more. And I am looking forward to being able to travel finally going to Hong Kong, very weird situation where I'm in, where uh, I'm going to be going to, it's the fourth right now, I'm recording this on Saturday. I'm moving to Toronto on the 17th. I just got my lease approved, which is a huge fucking relief and it's fantastic. And I got the place I definitely wanted to. I'm so looking forward to hooking up the cooking streams. We got the kitchen island going on. It's a really beautiful place in Toronto and Midtown got the lease for a year and I'm going to get settled. It's going to be great. We're going to set it up. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to definitely do a lot of streaming and I think I'm actually going to focus on that and 
let me go off on another tangent. Uh, you know, I was talking with these guys who are all, they're all very business-minded people. Um, uh, Ovi and Yanni work for, uh, work for Catalyst, and then uh, Travis Gaffer, the interviewer from League of Legends, who's my former boss at Yahoo Esports, are, you know, like, Ovi's a consultant, um, Yoni's an agent, and Travis is very business-oriented as a person and what he likes to talk about and stuff. So, you know, I, I, you know, I was picking their brains about a lot of things, and one of those things was YouTube and just, like, the shift of what feels like the attention from YouTube to Twitch. And in just talking to them, I learned some stuff just from my own perspective about, you know, how what it's like to create content right now and just how, you know, when I was 22 even, five years ago, six years ago, I would go through my entire sub box. I would consider 22 is like somewhat old and I would still go through my whole YouTube sub box and watch everything. And now I don't watch anything, but I do have to separate the fact that I am a content creator myself, but then I think about that again and I'm like, well, I still watch content, but I actually, where most of my hours watched go is on Twitch. And so I know that there's something inherently more exciting and valuable about live content because there's a sense of FOMO with things that are going to end. And that's why I like, I know I like watching Twitch more and I can watch my favorite Dark Souls streamers do very high stakes challenges. You don't want to miss out on that. It makes sense why the live content is more appealing. You know, tournaments, you don't want to watch tournament VODs, but you definitely want to watch tournament live. And there's so much good stuff on Twitch now. It's like really hard to find a reason to go on YouTube. And there is a few reasons, few types of content that are great for YouTube. And I think most of them are um, impermanent and or, or sorry, evergreen or news shows. So like news shows are very good. Travis mentioned late night talk shows do really well. Almost everybody gets those in their relateds, it feels like. Um, and then there's like interviews, which are more evergreen, which I think do really well over time, especially in the algorithm will reward you. Long form talking head stuff, um, like we're doing now, it's not, it's not doing well on YouTube, and I can understand why. I mean, I used to watch like almost all of Thorin's videos when it's first starting out. You know, it's like there was so much knowledge that he had about and uh, of the history of everything that it felt like I, it was like a crash course to listen to all his videos when I was coming back into it. And now I don't, I don't listen to anything. I don't listen to anybody talk for an hour about anything. I mean, sometimes there's the longer form stuff. I've still watched like a couple of the esports salons, which are very interesting, where you have, you know, cool um, cool guests that know a lot about business. That's something I want to learn about. But that's very niche, I think. Not many people do want to listen to that. And it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of making me think. Uh, you know, it's kind of making me think. There are a lot of people out there that don't have big streams. They have zero to one viewers, you know, and there, I saw a tweet recently about how these people that this is not grade four, you don't get sticker stars for showing up anymore. And that if you have zero to one viewers, but you stream for eight hours a day, that doesn't necessarily mean that you deserve viewers. That is a hundred percent a fact. And it is so true that everybody gets rewarded for simply showing up and has grown up with that so much to the point that they feel entitled to success for being there. And I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm only referencing that as a total aside. I'm only bringing that up because um, it made me think that, you know, my stream is not that big right now. And 
there was a point where I was going really hard and we do great CS streams and I did a lot of analytical content. The energy was way up and we we're hitting like 400 viewers a stream and that was a really good number, super good. Um, and then I started traveling and then when I came back from traveling, the numbers were gone and that's kind of been my life. But I, the entire way through, you know, I've had a dedicated, loyal fan base that has been watching my streams that I love very much and you know, I think I've talked about this before, but there's people that have more merchandise than I do from the store. And a lot of, one of the best things about the numbers are on, of, on our store is the customer return rate. You know, we've got so many people that come back to buy everything from our new drops. And by the way, the eighth in what will be two days for you is our next drop with Rama and clothing. So definitely keep your pockets full for that. Have some cash ready. This, be prepared, okay? Because it's, I'm telling you, it's not gonna be cheap, but it's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be one of our sickest drops ever, if not our sickest drop ever. Um, but, uh, but I've been thinking about focusing on the people that watch my stream now, you know, and with that, hopefully having a few people who maybe have like left or have scattered themselves around Twitch who used to watch a lot come back, but I am now more interested in stopping competing with the race to get bigger and bigger and bigger and start focusing on the good community that I have right now that is big enough in my opinion um, that is definitely big enough you know if I, I I feel like a lot of the rhetoric with content creators and people who are just like always striving for success is like how do I grow how do I grow how do I grow um, you know oh it's great thank you guys we hit 10,000 subscribers you know that kind of language is like really, it's really strange. I think it was Squeaks who started talking about that too. And it, it is really weird. Like a part of it is it's kind of a tool because as a broadcaster, you're like, hey, you know, we did something, we did something together. And it's not totally disingenuous because I do that as well. I'll be like, you know, not for donos or subs because that this that to me doesn't really make that much sense. But for if it's like we, if I make a decision in a game, I want to go... I want to go um, do this in this game or I fought a boss and we beat it. Like, yes, we finally did it. I'll say something like that. Um, and it's, it does, I don't know, it's, it's weird because in one sense, like I can see how that might look disingenuous, but it is kind of true. Like I wouldn't be playing games with if I was in streaming. I, you know, enjoy games so much more because of the people that are watching. So it is kind of a wee thing. It is kind of a wee thing, I think. Uh, but w with the subs and donations and stuff, it's it kind of feels like you cross a line where it, it feels like you're using, you're tricking the people that are watching into thinking that they're a part of something when you probably don't really feel like they, that, you know, you're putting in what they're giving you, right? If you make $10,000 from 100 people's donations, it's, I think it really should be, Thank you guys so much for the donations. That's an amazing thing. You know, that's a lot of money to be given to somebody for providing entertainment. That's awesome. But it's not like, great job, guys. We did it. I mean, you really don't feel like that. And that's that's really strange. But it's a tool that is used by broadcasters to keep keep things growing and keep things getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, for me, I think smaller is going to be the new bigger. I think smaller but tighter you know i 
definitely have always had a tight-knit group of friends and I have never thought about having more or more and more until I got into esports and I started thinking about all these metrics, subscriber counts, follower counts, all this stuff. And now it's a constantly a cycle of how do I how do I boom here? How do I take advantage of this? How do I get bigger? I know this is what I'm supposed to do. It's great because even your fans understand this about you and your need to get bigger and stuff, so they support you. But really, is that what you need to do? You know, is there a certain size where you're you're totally fine? Like, do you need to get to three million something? You know, is is there ever an end at that point? And if you start off on the wrong foot, do you end up just building these like really bad habits? Like, if I was only concerned with growth and then I started doing giveaways all the time, and then I became a giveaway streamer, you know, I've seen people's streams die because they once they wanted to stop doing giveaways but still wanted to stream. Nobody would watch them anymore. And I mean, to some extent, it will help just get people to stay around even when you're not doing that. But you're, you know, uh, it's not my, it's not, that's not definitely not the audience. I've spent so much time building. And so I have this great thing in front of me and I feel like it's kind of weird for me to have such, such wide eyes and to think about to even like subconsciously, and I can't like control ideas subconsciously, but if I were to ever realize that subconsciously I was thinking about them as like a stepping stone of some sort that I, I just like ignored that thought, you know, and I'm starting to feel like, wait, hold on, you know, am I like, am I kind of brainwashed in a sense? Do we have enough? Should I be thinking about like my, the current people I have, the people that have been there for a long time, the amount of people that is like, is that a sustainable way for me to make an income? Is there a way that I can make them make sure they feel rewarded and also that maybe then include the like get the right people to come in and then slowly grow but then just like just maintain it like a lot more respect I think for the subscribers that I have and that's why I started streaming more Counter-Strike recently it's because it's a game the game that got me to where I am and I talked about that last week and I want to um, get back to Counter-Strike as well as my audience that came for Counter-Strike and I've definitely been playing a lot more and totally enjoying it and having a great time. So I don't remember how I got all the way there, but Twitch is a Twitch is I think is gonna be important. So I will focus on the live stream when I move. And you know, getting to five hundred to a thousand viewers, it's not the like I can actually make like pretty good money from only having a couple hundred viewers if I get like like a few just a few subs and stuff like that. Enough to justify that that I can say, all right, I'm definitely contributing to to my personal brand and then as well go and do what has always made me more money, which is like casting and everything like that. So streaming is just very powerful for connecting with people and it is a huge amount of joy for me and allows me to play games and so there's just a lot of good things about it. So as much as I say like I'm not a streamer and stuff, um, I guess I am to some people and I enjoy it and I can't lie, I, I do enjoy it. So I might as well, you know, f try to make the most of what I have in front of me as opposed to thinking about taking over Twitch or something like that. Definitely good reasons for me to stream. And all that might sound a little bit convoluted, kind of hard to understand what I'm, what I'm even trying to say, but I get it, okay? At least I get it, I understand. All right, all you have to know is that if you're in my stream, I'm gonna make you happy, all right? that's. That's that's what you have to know. I'm thinking about you, okay? And I swear it, some of this stuff definitely makes sense in my head. I have a 
this this I remember having this conversation with my friends about this Bruce Lee quote and I, have, I remember the context of the quote I don't remember the quote exactly but it was a little something like you know life isn't supposed to be hard it was, it's actually supposed to be somewhat easy and what Bruce Lee was trying to say with that um, in more words was that if when you have a decision like it's like when you like there's there's ways to gel with life better that allow you to flow better and it's always about being water right and 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 taking water and becoming the shape right putting the water in the river it becomes the river right the water in the bottle becomes the bottle and staying in motion and he, he was all he was all about that that type of philosophy and i definitely am as well and i've always at least on the part of, part of me wanted to believe that life isn't meant to be difficult and there are definitely people who have live extremely hard lives and it's not their fault at all but uh i think when it comes to the thought of making the most of it at least or trying to trying to attempt to put yourself in a better mindset about what's going on around you i think he was tapping into something that i think is pretty important and i had a friend and i brought this up with him was because he mentioned that he felt like life he felt like all the best decisions were also the hard ones he says that you know if you look at just like decisions in your life it's usually the hard one that's the right one like it's usually better to eat vegetables than it is to eat candy even though like eating candy candy tastes a lot better you know it's like for it's like simpler just instant enjoyable thing to do whereas vegetables sometimes taste bad they're hard to prepare they're like you know it's not as fun to eat vegetables just in general and that's just one analogy but it is interesting but the way that i think about life basically and, I th and, I, and this is what i'm kind of like hoping that bruce lee was talking about is that if you you know i've come to the point in life where i want to eat vegetables because i want to be happier for a long period of time and i know that if i have sugar and because i'm more educated that like that's not going to do that for me and i feel better probably during the day as well after i eat vegetables and so suddenly this decision that is like on paper the heart decision is actually not you know and i think a big thing about that is finding out why it is that something is not actually the hard decision that might be that there might be an easier way to say that but once i had truly had the understanding and we all get to the point in life with vegetables once i truly had the understanding of like what the benefits of vegetables are and like how it actually will make me happier and also the somewhat short time and long term that that meant that now there is a, a certain amount of negative feelings that go into eating candy that make it kind of worse and a little bit harder to eat than than vegetables and um and in that way eating vegetables is no longer difficult and i think for a lot of skills that people can develop it's a process of learning listening to yourself um trying to change things when things don't go so well if you ate candy every day eventually you'd be such you'd be such bad shape you know you'd want to change and then you'd give vegetables a shot and then you get to that point where you learn but you're but if you let's say you um you took that path so like you let's say you ate candy every single day until you were like 10 years old and you're just like fucked up but your parents like just let you do that the entire time and let's say 10 years old or let's say 20 years old when you can be a little bit smarter and have more agency and at 20 years old you're like in such terrible condition and you're like i'm really unhappy right now right all those decisions eating candy all the time 
made me very unhappy. So let me try new stuff. And so trying new stuff is not actually that hard because you want to change your situation. And I think that there's a lot of situations or examples like that where you get to a point where you're unhappy, you want to change things, and you need to grow to be happy. And even though you're doing something that you wouldn't have like that you wouldn't say is one to one an easier decision to make, once you're in a certain place, it does become that. And it's 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 cool and fine to experience life, you know, by learning that, you know, by making those mistakes, having a couple bad days, and then trying things and changing it up and learning. Um, and I th and I think that it isn't always the the right decision that it, the it, I don't I don't always I don't think that the hard decision is always necessarily the right one. And I hope that made sense as well. I hope that made sense as well. Um, I think in listening to yourself, which is kind of interesting, like I, uh, like I would say this is unpopular opinion, guys. This is a unpopular opinion. Okay, um, I think that like this year is like the first time I ever experienced real anxiety. Um, when I had it at Christmas for the visa stuff, and then I came back for uh, face it finals when I got invited to that, and I couldn't get my visa, and it, you know it was pretty bad. Um, and it's still something like I think about every day to a certain extent. Most of my days are totally good now, but it's like one of the best things that's happened to me in a long time is getting it because in listening to it, it's like negative, terrible feeling where it feels like it's all, you know, everything's like coming apart for no reason. You try a whole bunch of stuff to help you feel better. And I, was able to sit down and, you know, take care, like think about all the productivity, my future expenses and all this stuff, things I would never sit down to really do. And I did that, you know, to try to heal this thing about me that I didn't understand. And it was really scary. And that did help. And then I tried to go for uh, more walks and I tried to exercise a little bit more. And that really helped. And I, now I've been going running all the time, and running's been like the best thing that I've ever done. Uh, it's completely changed my energy for like all the days that I've run, and it's made me feel so much better and healthier and mentally fit and consistent, which is huge. You know, I don't like wake up and then some days I can speak English and some days I can't. If I run, I feel like I can speak English really well every time, and that's awesome. And that's something that now I will never forget. But that's something I would have never done if if I wasn't just a little bit anxious in those couple of periods. And even though now I don't like the thought of potentially feeling anxious or whatever, the you know, the thought of ever going getting to the point where it's just like everything just crashes because of this feeling, I'm still like grateful I have have it, you know? I'm just I am. Like it's cr it, it's done it's done so many good things for me, I feel like. And um, it forced me to listen to myself. And even though it took me to a dark place, it was, I think, a very positive thing for me. I feel very productive. I feel on top of things. I feel very optimistic. I feel ambitious. I feel energetic, right? Um, and that's awesome. And I think, you know, like that's another thing. It's like weird. It's like a weird way that like, it's a weird thing that happened to me that allowed me to make my life better. Um, it's like it needed to happen. 
is I guess is the way I see it. It's like it needed to happen. Like if this is the the way that my mind told me something. And I I think if you know in listening that did me so much good that I'm just like actually grateful. Like for real. So I'm very optimistic um about moving in the future and like all the positive changes that I'm I'm making that will all follow up on and uh you know i like doing this podcast every week all these events that we're gonna go cast i'm just super excited about today i mapped out all of my money all the money i know i'll be making with all the money i have with all the money i'll spend on rent with all the money i'll have left over at the end of next year and that was great that gave me a certain amount of clarity and um in a in a in a very good place and i, I just i don't know I think it's kind of it's kind of interesting, like, and and that kind of, that that situation kind of ties into the Bruce Lee thing a little bit, like in a weird way, which is like, like listening was kind of the easy decision. Maybe things, maybe it's just that things don't always appear to be the easy decision is the way that I see it, but I think that it is sometimes, and it's just like a little bit of listening to yourself. Um, yeah. This is a really good question that Squeaks asked, which I thought was really interesting. And it was, if you were, if you went to a fortune teller and you found out that CS would be dead in two years, would that change your course of action? And why do you think that it would die if it could? And I think that's a super, super good question. So basically, if I went to see a fortune teller, they rubbed the magic eight ball and they were like, hey, uh, CS. Is, is gonna die in two years. You gotta figure out what you're gonna do because this game that you have dedicated all this time to is gone in two years. Um, and if I if they didn't tell me why, and I had to if I had to guess, what would I guess? What would what would I guess is the reason that CS died? And I think that you know we've talked about not wanting to be a part of another StarCraft, right? For everyone who watched StarCraft and was a part of the game, it was just like the, you know it's great, amazing esport and just fucking fell on its face and died. Um, and a lot of that is because of the publisher, but a lot of everything in esports is about the publisher. Uh, what, what What is there to worry about with CS? I mean, with the dip in pe- player base and viewership in the past um, in the past few months, it's kind of like, okay, is there a chance that CS could die in two years? You know, um, I don't think there is. I think, uh, I think there was a point where I was like, hmm, you know, maybe if it's starting to go down, I don't want to be a part of a CS anymore. I think no matter what at this point, it feels like I'm more proud than ever of games like CS, Dota, and League of Legends. League of Legends is on a bit of a decline. Dota's on a decline or is somewhat staying stagnant. If this game maintains the player base and those games maintain the player base they have and they maybe like peter off a little bit but then maintain that hardcore audience that grows with the game that has watched all of those years of amazing tournaments and grows with the players... I think you got a more than sustainable esport. I think a lot of esports have failed because they uh, were came out at a bad time. I think TF2 came out at a bad time. Great game came out at a bad time, um, right? Bef- like right before esports or whatever. Um, Starcraft maybe was a little bit early as well. I guess uh, maybe it was the Starcraft 2 that really fucked it up. But if I had to guess, why CS might if CS could randomly die in two years, which I guess there is a world where that could potentially happen. I think the only way that would really like really i I think that's straight up and i would say that's straight up impossible for the game to completely die and to define that word i would say you know for you for 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 me at least it's could i make money 
uh, with Counter-Strike. And that would definitely come down to, could I cast games in Counter-Strike? And in two years, I mean, even in completely dead games, quote-unquote, by anyone's metrics, they you could basically, if they were giant esports at one time, you could make money casting them. Tasteless Artosis are still casting uh, StarCraft um, to big crowds and stuff like that. And there will always be, I think, big enough audiences for it for a long time to come. Um, and, you know, I... I I think it may be, you know, that wouldn't be a great place to be in. But I think worst case scenario, I think I could still be making money off CS in, in two years, even if the worst thing in the world happened. If I had to guess what the worst thing in the world might happen would be, it would probably be a CS clone that might come out soon that there's definitely publishers working on uh, CS clones that is just so good, so one-to-one that it can just siphon out the audience of Counter-Strike to feel like the publisher is taking better care of the game than Valve is and... I think that is really unlikely too. I think there is a world where maybe a more realistic world where like a player base gets cut by like, you know, a 10 or 15% or 20% or that that's pretty drastic. I would say like a big number of people, um, which would make CS a whole lot less appealing to, um, to cover as a tournament organizer or as a league or any of those things. Um, you definitely see people lose their jobs. If you know, CS lost 20% of his player base, a hundred percent, right? A hundred percent. And it would also say something about the future of esports, but um, I think they're, you know, and then that's kind of maybe the realistic worry uh, to think about. And I'll tell you what I would change uh, with that knowledge if it if I had that like you know fortune teller knowledge in a second. But um, another thing about you know what could happen is I think we're in a world where we have learned that. Esports are much more fluid than traditional sports. 100% much more fluid than traditional sports. Uh, There's so much we don't know. There's so much we don't know. How long will the old game stay up? How, how hard is it to make a game that people can play for five years? Will the games that have come out for a year or two, like the Battle Royale genre, how much negative impact can they have on other games and how much positive impact can they have on esports as a whole? Fortnite has Fortnite came in after Overwatch League scared the fuck out of everybody and a lot of people are still scared and Fortnite came in and was like, "Hey, we'll give you um we'll throw out half a month of the money we made from skins to drop the most amount of money ever on tournaments for a, an entire year." That is great. That's a job. That's a, that's a, they created an insane amount of job and opportunities. And it's also just like an, just so much money just injected into the scene, you know, that it is a, it's not a, it's not even a lifeline, right? It's something else. It's hitting the jackpot. It's esports hitting the jackpot, and we're just constantly doing it. So there is a thought that these games can siphon out players from other games and thin out other games, and we don't know what that looks like in a few years. Doesn't does that game? Does Fortnite take these players and then let's say Fortnite completely falls off as a game and let's say the studio gets bought out by another studio and the devs suck and all this and it's just totally trash. Do those players just disappear? Do they not come back to CS as well but then disappear, right? Would they have stayed in CS if it wasn't for Fortnite? Nobody knows what's, what can happen um, in the future. But we, what we do know is there is a, is a crazy chance, there's a crazy high chance that a new game will come out almost every year and suddenly do really well and kind of thin out the overall amount of people in each game. 
when it comes to viewership, when it comes to popularity, all of this stuff. And that means that it is smart to stay fluid. And that's what I'd say, if I, if I knew CS was gonna die in two years, I would continue to do what I am now, which is I think I would stay dedicated to the game that I love because it's the thing I love. And that is why I got into this in the first place. I should never forget that. I think a huge part of figuring out who you are and what you want is looking back as opposed to exploring outward. I think it, it is really important when finding yourself and it's not something I've done completely yet, but it it is thinking about what really matters at the end of the day. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it is, I have, uh, I am definitely uh, a loyal and proud person. And I think that it is important to me as a person for my sanity, for my mental health, for um, doing what I would say that I stand for to do, to do what I like first and foremost. That is a tenant that I've always preached, and I think that I would be be I would be a fraud if I didn't live that out myself. And the and the reasons would be totally selfish, and that I think that I would be very unhappy if I didn't live life out like that. So I would continue to focus on CS in a lot of ways, and then also keep my eyes open. Like I took 40 days off to play Fortnite to get good at it just in case those doors would open an opportunity. And I met a lot of great people and I kind of still have like the, we have the ability. I've actually, you know, I've, I was offered a job to produce an entire Fortnite land for a very amazing company. And I am, you know, in talks with them and, and trying to figure that out. But, you know, just taking those 40 days off to like commit to playing. And then we had our team that we, um, that we pulled the offer for that that whole thing was very real possibility we had uh we have a, another game i can stream we have i have a way to pivot you know that's it's huge and it's a game i like too it's a game i, I like so i think staying fluid trying new games playing them uh committing really hard to trying to get good at them and uh keeping those doors open is something i'll, I'll continue to do and what and what i would focus on if i knew cs was going to die in two years um i think the great thing about the fact that any esport uh, can die, but esports will never die, is that it's a sudden jolt of life in, into esports every time one of these new games comes out. And it brings so many people in. Fortnite brought in so many people that would have never known or cared about esports into Twitch, into playing the games, and uh, into enjoying watching them and understanding as like a parent as a teacher, as a lawmaker, as like all of these things, you know, a lot of good, some bad, but I think that just being fluid, right? Being like water in this situation and uh, becoming esports means to stay um, on the ball in terms of trying out other things. And I mean, I love Counter-Strike, but I like, you know, if you love Counter-Strike, I mean, I definitely would say like, like Jordan has said, uh, nothing. He said, I'm not a gamer. I play Counter-Strike. I always felt like that too. I've never played other games, but now I've started to play other games. And I definitely realized like I love Counter-Strike, but I also love games. And that's how I got into Counter-Strike, you know? And there's other games that I'll, I'll definitely like if I try them. And that's awesome. That's exciting. You know, it's not, it's, it's kind of sucks that you got to learn a new game. You know, being bad at a game sucks. It kind of sucks to know that you don't know what game you're going to end up in next. But it's probably nicer than if 
Counter-Strike was the only one and you had to ride it out and hope that it never died, right? If that was esports, if Counter-Strike was just esports, you would be putting a lot of stock into something with very... I would rather have Counter-Strike competing against other games than to be trying to prop up um, an entire population of people who had nowhere else to go or any way to grab the interest of other people to expand a, a expand interest in our scene and in uh, esports, right? I I think this is the better of the two evils, and I don't even consider it that evil. I think it's fun, and I think you know, even I've even gotten bored in Counter Strike, but I'm back. But it's good that when I'm bored, I could go play something else, come back, or think about making content something else, come back. You know, that's awesome. So one thing has not changed, and that is we know that people enjoy watching games and it's not unheard of to have a commentator move from game to game and it's not um it's not weird and it's not crazy to think that i could really greatly enjoy other games as well so i would consider it my job to play new games <laughs> that would be my opera that would be my responsibility that i would take very seriously if i knew counter-strike was going to die in two years and we will do that um on uh on twitch I am going to play some single-player games I like. I'm going to play esports. I'm going to try to be happy so that I, when I stream, it's fun. And um, I'll continue to do what I do, keep my eyes open. And that's it for this episode of This Esports Life. Thank you guys for hanging out. I think the energy was a lot better this week. We're going to bring it again next week. And um, I hope that was interesting. If you have any comments, let me know on Twitter. If you have any questions that you want answered, let me know on Twitter as well. If you want to DM me and tell me not to say your name, you can do that there. And I'll try to include one or two questions in the podcast if there isn't enough available to talk about. Um, save the date, August 8th. I've got the Roma collab. Don't miss it. Uh, spoiler, you guys will have a little bit of time to make sure you get what you want. So this time around, you know, as long as you are somewhat aware of of the date you should be fine which is good but just so you can relax a little bit thank you guys for listening i love all of you love all of you of you very much and i plan to deliver i'm more motivated and hyped and excited and healthy than ever so thank you guys for the opportunity to do something really fun and because of that i'm going to try really hard do it extremely well we're gonna whatever however this ends it's going to be on a strong note. So take care. See you guys next week.